mình phải chăm sóc nhau bây giờ chỉ còn ba cho con chúng ta hai muốn được phòng nào cũng được hết nhưng mà cái phòng bự nhất phải là của tôi ok khôn ha Everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. It's Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. How's it going, Venom? Greetings and salutations, sleep paralysis sufferers. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How you doing? <laughs> doing well. Uh, it's the end of our relaxing weekend, so what better way to cap it off than record a new episode of Fresh Cuts? Also with us, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? Xin chào, tu lan han phua ki duak o dai. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Yep, I mean, we've done a film from this director before, but it was not a Vietnamese film, so I couldn't do it. And uh, this yeah. is the chance to finally bust it out. So, yeah. I was Vietnamese for, uh, you know, it's always happy to be here. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crossing another country off the list. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if that doesn't tip you off enough, which it might not, because I don't know how uh, regular this movie's in people's rotation. Um, it looks like it's either a year or a couple years old, but it's just it now was getting it. Last year, it was released last year. I, I was going to say I, I got the uh, release for it in its home country in Vietnam last year. Okay. Yeah, it's just getting the American release, so that's why we're doing it, and it's called the Ancestral. Original title listed as, is it Bong Dai or D Day? Bong Day. Bong Day, okay. All right, so the ancestral and the synopsis. A Vietnamese family moves into a centuries-old ancestral home while discover sinister secrets and visions in the old family's ancient crypt. All right, let's find out about that ancient crypt and our thoughts on the movie uh, overall. Let's start it with Venom. What are your general thoughts on the ancestral? 
Uh, unfortunately, I'm only really going to be able to say that I mildly enjoyed this movie. This movie has all the tropes of a solid haunted house movie. There's actually a jump scare very early in the movie that actually did get me. So I'll, I'll give the movie credit for that. There was a jump scare that just came out of nowhere. But ultimately, you know, it, it's it's a tropey haunted house flick. You know, a family moving back into their ancestral home in Vietnam and, you know, suddenly they're seeing visions throughout the house. They're seeing shadow figures there. You know, one of the members of the family is having nightmares that seem like their memories, things like that. So um, it, it's not a bad film by any stretch of the imagination. Good performances, good relationships. I actually love the relationship between the sisters in this one. I uh, thought it was heartwarming. There's a great, there is one really, well, there's multiple great scenes in the movie, but there is one that really struck me with the, uh, basically a hanging laundry scene where the older sister was hanging laundry in the backyard. And it's like the scene starts out creepy and you get like a mild jump scare, but then the little sister shows up and it turns into like a happy heartwarming scene. And then it goes right back to being creepy at the end of the scene when the, uh, uh, the perceived ghost reappears. So I thought that was a really well done scene. Overall, um, like I said, not a bad movie, but just kind of a, you know, the, the, nothing that we haven't seen before. Um, it, it's one of those haunted house movies where you could kind of make the argument that nothing ever actually happened, that this was all just unreliable narrator or psychological thriller, you know, uh, people with mental health issues, things like that. It's up to, it's up to the interpretation of the viewer, but Overall, some decent performances, and sadly, I do have to say, potentially the worst CGI ghost I've seen since the Haunting remake in 1999. Uh, this thing looked straight out of a PlayStation 2 video game. I'm not even sure what the hell the director and filmmakers were thinking, but uh, thankfully, we don't see the ghost that often. It's not in the film all that often, uh, which is nice, but when we do see it, holy shit, it takes you right out of the... Whatever tension has been built up by, with the great filmmaking and, and the beautiful um, atmosphere and the set, like the house itself looks looks great, you know? It looks like a run-down, abandoned, ancestral home, you know, in the, in the wilds of Vietnam. But goddamn, if this ghost in the two major scenes where it appears it just takes you completely out of it and you know you're trying so hard to hold in the laughter thankfully i watched this at home by myself so no need to hold in the laughter but yeah um I, i'm gonna say this is a flawed if not solid a uh, haunted house film it could definitely use some work and coming from the director of the requin which i know don and myself both really enjoyed um even though the shark action in the movie is kind of secondary to the whole story um i i know me and don were kind of uh, minorities on that one a lot of people kind of poo-pooed the requin but uh, for whatever reason, it worked for me and Don, and I was really hoping to find another human story like the Requin in this one. And we, like I said, we do get a great relationship between the um, the sisters. Their relationship with their father is equal parts, you know, heartwarming and equal parts tense and t terrifying, you know. So 
there, there's definitely a lot to be enjoyed about this movie, but unfortunately, it just left me wanting a little bit more, especially when it came to the actual horror action. So, all in all, I would call this probably an average to slightly above average haunted house movie that, you know, it's it's an hour and 40 minutes, so it's not going to take a whole long, a, a lot of time to get through. Um, unfortunately, there are a couple of very slow scenes in the film. Like there's one scene where the daughter's just walking around, uh, the house, like the day that she moves in, that feels like it takes way longer than it should. There's another scene like that later in the film, just kind of a monotonous scene where one of the members of the family is just going about their day with nothing in particular happening. Um, so the, you know, the movie suffers from some pacing issues, maybe just mild pacing issues, but overall, I did enjoy it. I am a fan of Asian horror movies, especially when they have to deal with spirits and the supernatural. So, you know, for me, the movie is, as I've already said, it, it's an average to above average haunted house film with, you know, a questionable ghost and maybe an ending that might leave some people flat like it did for me. So there you go. General thoughts from me. All right, I'll throw it over to Don next. Uh, what are your general thoughts, Don? Yeah, I, I'm not too far off. Uh, I'm kind of pretty much um, along a lot of this. This is uh, especially in terms of Asian horror um, haunted house films, where I think this is kind of uh, pretty much on the. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, like the the top tier stuff like, you know, Sweet Home or Haosu or, you know, like some of the other more established uh, genre efforts of the style. But yeah, o- overall, I, I still really enjoy it. Um, I, I, you know, again, I think the daughter relationship is, uh, you know, really intriguing and, uh, you know, it really brings you in together and feel for um, who who both of them are. Uh, some of the setups here, while kind of cliched, uh, are effective enough to bring about a pretty uh, enjoyable atmosphere. You can kind of get invested in what's going on here. And, uh, you know, it kind of leaves a great mystery as to what's going on around the house and the, you know, various revelations that come about. But yeah, overall, I, I, I do agree that I, I do find a lot of uh, those revelations to not quite be all of that rewarding per se. Uh I, I think it tries too hard to be clever, and uh, some of that kind of gets a little muddled. It's a little muddy, and it doesn't really uh, play itself out kind of well, uh, especially when we finally realize what what went on in the past. I think the past more than the present is kind of the, the big issue with me with a lot of the revelations that come about. But, it, yeah, overall, um, I, I don't really find it to be that bad of a, a watch. Uh, it's got its moments. Um, especially if you're, you know, into these Asian haunted house films, it, you know, it, it does drag a little. Um, I, I do think it, you know, an hour and forty, it probably doesn't need to be. Um, some of the scenes, especially the ones that Venom covered earlier, can, you know, are some of the prime candidates that I was looking at as uh, stuff to either trim or slightly, you know, remove, you know, slightly trim or remove. But yeah, you can do far worse than this. Um, I I don't know if this would probably be most people's um, entry into Haunted House Fair. If you can find it, I I think the director's earlier work um, within the genre called House in the Alley is actually a little bit more enjoyable than this. It was on Tubi, I think, last year sometime because I saw it then. 
Um, just it, it was just a random watch. I didn't even know it was what it was. It was it, it was just a film that I saw, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll give it a watch." And uh, looking at it afterwards, I, I I kind of realized that it you know was you know one Vietnamese horror movie, and you know all that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, ancestral's fun uh, in the right moments. Don't expect much, and uh, you know you'll probably enjoy it. Maybe some of the scenes will be. Uh, a little bit on the cliched side, but uh, if you're fine with that, you know, give it a shot. So, yeah, I guess that'll... Yeah, Don. Uh... <clears throat> I was going to say, Don, did you see his last movie, The Princess? That was no. Actually, uh... I, I saw it last year. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty cool. Not, no, it's uh, not you... genre fair by any stretch. Yeah, the only ones of his that I've seen are House in the Alley, uh, Fury, and Requiem. Gotcha. I I still need to see the uh, prequel to Furies, um, the new one Furies, because yeah. I, I think it's him and the same girl. I think it's I, I think it's a prequel or something, but I, I still need to see that one. But the only ones of his I've seen are um, Fury, Requiem, and this one. Gotcha. Oh, and uh, House in the Alley. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, like I said, uh, you know, if you can get past some of the cliches and, uh, you know, you don't mind uh, some of, you know, the the flaws we've mentioned, you can do worse than this. So overall, not too bad, not to, you know, put a damper on our first Vietnamese horror film. But, uh, yeah, good times if you uh, enjoy this kind of thing. OK, yeah, I I liked it. Um, I didn't love it. I I. I had an enjoyable time, though. I mean, I think there's a lot of tropes. It, it's one of those movies where, like, if, if you're familiar with the genre, you're going to recognize a lot of uh, the ways, you know, they use scares. Uh, a lot of story elements are going to feel uh, familiar to you. Uh, I did. There is a reveal that we get in the second act, which I, I did kind of like because it felt like they wanted to give us a little bit more than just like, OK, there's ghosts in a house and let's find out like you know what family member was cursed that caused this to happen like there i i feel there is a little more depth to the story than your basic uh ghost story um but then that's a kind of a pro anacon to the way the rest of the movie plays out because i think there is a lot of like back and forth when you're watching it to where you're like okay is this literally actually happening in what i'm watching or is it like venom said bad narrator stuff including like a, a final scene. Um, now I'm talking about the scene to close because there is like another scene, what like 10 seconds into the close and credits that happens that we can discuss. But um, yeah, the, the closing scene is kind of like, wait a minute, is, am, am I being here? Is there something I'm missing that's supposed to tip me off that this isn't really happening or is it happening? Um, so this movie, I think it does kind of play with that element, um, it goes back and forth with that. But I, I did like it, and I thought the uh, sisters, or the actresses that played the young sisters were uh, pretty good. The The look of the actor that played the dad, he he was very good at uh, making angry, creepy faces a lot in this movie, you know? He, he, he did a good job kind of like as someone who's kind of losing their grip on sanity, um, and given all like the sleep issues that the family's having, I, I thought he did well 
But yeah, there's there's points in the third act that I feel kind of weaves in either direction, and it doesn't quite uh, nail the ending. So I think that is a uh, issue with the movie. But overall, I, I still enjoyed it. Like, I, I this isn't going to like if if you're trying to introduce your your friends that are not familiar to the genre, this probably isn't going to be the movie you're going to use to be the crossover uh, movie. But you know, if you're familiar and you like these types of movies, it's it's probably still worth seeing. Um, yeah, I would say slightly higher than a middle of the road, though. So I, I probably liked it more than Venom, maybe closer to Dawn. Um, but it sounds like we're all kind of generally in the same area on it. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I just leave it at that. I mean, if we were like rating this, I'd probably say seven and a half to an eight. Yeah, I'm right there, too. I'm just louder when it comes to the voicing my uh, the things that I dislike about a film. Yeah. So it sounds like I'm lower on a movie than I actually am. But yeah, I, that's about the score I'd give it to. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I yeah the uh, the scene that Venom referenced the the clothes hanging scene I thought was really well done. That's yeah. it's a that's a good reoccurring uh thing in horror movies if if you're hanging up clothes and it's a ghost <laughs> movie it's almost guaranteed the ghosts like to go where her clothes are hanging up yes <laughs> yeah as soon as that scene started i was so hoping they weren't going the conjuring route just because we've seen it and you know we don't need to see it again but they actually expanded a little bit more on it and like i said the fact that the scene goes from creepy to happy you know where you're thinking the creepy factor is gone and then it goes right back to creepy i thought yeah that was just really well done Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I do agree. Another, I think it was another point Ben made towards the end when you know it's it's normal for whatever ghosts or spirits to like start showing themselves a little more. I think that was like an issue with the CGI where it it, it wasn't it wasn't so irritating earlier in the movie when you would only get like little short shots of them or you know something would fly by in the background. Um, in that case, like it was never bothersome, but when you really need the kind of that money shot at the end and they're just full on like doing what <laughs> CGI things do, it's like, okay, uh, <laughs> now it's becoming yeah. a little more obvious. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, ultimately, I don't know how much more it would have helped the movie if the ghosts looked great. Ultimately, I'm, I, I try not to judge my movies on their effects, but. You know, I'm still going to call out a terrible CGI ghost when I see one. And, um, you know, you could probably say that's the worst part of the movie, honestly. I mean, because there's nothing bad about the movie other than that ghost. Like I said, the the story is fine. Yeah, the third act kind of is a little disappointing. But ultimately, a lot of haunted house movies tend to give you a disappointing ending. So, you know, it's something... Uh, we've all been in the genre long enough that we know disappointing endings are kind of a commonality in our genre. So uh, I, it's not the most disappointing thing in the world to be let down by a third act. As long as I enjoyed the ride, I'm usually at least going to be mildly positive on the film. And I did enjoy this ride. Like I said, once we get the reveal of what's actually happening, I I will fully admit I kind of lose interest. I start to lose interest in the film you know, when they start to try to give us a non-supernatural explanation for what's going on. So, and, and Dad was another interesting character in this movie. Because Dad, like Mike said, he he can be creepy when he wants to be. 
but he's such a loving, caring father when the movie starts that it seems like his personality change just doesn't make sense. Like even even in the context of a man who lost his wife under terrible circumstances, uh, it just I don't know his 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 like mood change or his personality change uh, shift um, throughout the film kind of irked me at times. But you know, again. I, you know, knock on wood, I like to think I don't necessarily have any mental health issues, so I don't know what people who have them go through, so I always cut those people a little bit of slack. But, yeah, it just it just felt kind of weird Dad's personality changed throughout the film. And obviously the house itself could be a factor, you know, because Dad, like I said, Dad opens the movie as a normal, caring, loving dad. He's making his daughter's breakfast. He's interested in what they have to say. He's smiling a lot, blah, blah, blah. But then, yeah, they get back to the house, uh, to you know, to their ancestral home, and it just seems like he has a major, major shift. And and that could be because of his daughters and the things that they're seeing as well, and it's just grinding on him. Um, but, yeah, overall, still some decent performances. I'm not necessarily saying the dad's performance was poor, not at all. It just it just was it was a little jarring that he could turn on the charm instantly. And that usually makes a good villain. Not to say that Dad's the villain in this film by any stretch. Uh, he's a victim of circumstance just like anyone else in this film. But, you know, because of some of the things that he attempts in the movie, it kind of, you know, puts him more on the villainous side. But then, you know, he has his redemption at the end. So that's kind of nice, too. Uh, <laughs> and I'm right there with Mike. I have no idea what that last scene fucking... Uh, n- not the mid credit scene like he was talking about, but the actual scene of the main part of the film. It's like, wait a minute, what what is going on? The fact that Dad has crutches on makes me think, okay, this is real, but mm-hmm. it could still be unreliable narrator shit, ultimately, you know? So Yeah, the yeah. I, I'm, I'm exactly in the same spot. The only thing that kind of tipped me possibly one way or the other was the him being on crutches, or at least the one crutch, mm-hmm. because that... That tends to say, okay, if this wasn't real, then there'd be no reason to continue on from like kind of an event that happened like very, yeah. you know, pretty in the previous scene almost. So I'm like, hmm, I guess it's real, but uh, it's weird the way it just kind of feels like because it's so short too, and it just feels like it's like kind of thrown on the end just to say either it turned out okay or ooh, some something. Uh, behind the scenes like is is uh, manipulating or something else that happened possibly mm-hmm. that we can discuss in spoilers but yeah it's it's kind of weird the way it's just tacked on and being so short yeah it's funny too because i usually like when movies tackle sleep paralysis um this one brings up the sleep paralysis but then once you get the reveal of what's going on, it's almost like they kind of forget about it for a little bit, but then it gets, but then it comes back at the end. So it's kind of weird. Um, you know, is the movie trying to say sleep paralysis is, you know, actually shadow people and demons, or is it literally just people caught in between being awake and being asleep and seeing things, you know, because their brain is playing tricks on them. I don't know. Ultimately, I'm not sure what this movie's stance is on any of this especially once you know we see that mid credit scene too where it's like like that one left me almost as confused as the final scene of the main film i I, i'm just like okay what (laughs) what am i supposed to take from that we'll talk about it during the spoiler section but yeah it's um it's a movie that leaves you scratching your head maybe a little bit more than you'd like 
Um, but you know, ultimately, still, a, you know, and and a fine movie. It's it, you know, it's a solid film. It's worth watching, especially if you're a fan of this subgenre, um, and especially if you're a fan of Asian cinema. It it's still, like I said, it's above average. So it's still worth seeing. It's it's not anything that's going to blow you away. It's not going to you know reinvent the wheel. And it sure as hell not going to show up in my top 10 at the end of the year. But for whatever it's worth, I don't regret spending the hour and 41 minutes with it, you know. And it is a, you know, a director that I kind of like. This is now the third movie of his that I've seen, and I like all three. I, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned The Requin, um, also The Princess from last year. Both The Requin and The Princess were from 2022, so he's obviously had a busy year because this particular film is also technically 2022. So, yeah, he had a pretty solid 2022. I'll give him credit for that. He's a busy guy. <laughs> I still want to see him nail his endings, though. Ultimately, in all three of the yeah. films. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the biggest issue so far with, uh, at least in Requin and this one, where, it, yeah, the, the ending does kind of feel a little underwhelming and kind of falls a little flat. Yep, absolutely. 100% agree. Ah, nice score for whatever it's worth. I'm kind of rewatching the movie right now as we're talking about it. Um, it's a decent score. It, it you know it doesn't take away from the film, so I'll give it that. It doesn't blow me away by any stretch either. But you know it's there. Decent cinematography. Like I said, the set design is what I really like too about the film because the set design is so nice. The house and the surrounding land around the house, the crypt underneath the house, like all of that looked really cool. And that all adds to the tension, you know? So if you've got a decent filmmaker with some pretty good sets, you know, regardless of how your spirit or monster or whatever looks like, you know, there, there's going to be some decent tension. So I was on board for most of the film. I really was. Um, but, you know, as we've all already said, yeah, the third act does kind of fall flat a little bit. Not in a, not in a very poor way where it would, you know, hurt the final score of the film because... You know, the whole time I'm watching the film, I'm like, yeah, this is like a 7.5 or maybe an 8. You know, if, if, if it nails the ending, I might give it an 8. Um, unfortunately, it did not. So, you know, take from that what you will. But ultimately, I still mildly enjoyed it, like I said. I, I would give it a mild recommend if you're a fan of Asian cinema and haunted house cinema. Indeed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we get to spoilers? I think I'm good. Yeah, I've got nothing much. All right, this should be a pretty quick one. I mean, it's your basic haunted house fare. Uh, We get get a little bit of a cold open where we see someone suffering from sleep paralysis. They are asleep, and, you know, it looks like something is holding them down, and then we see, like, almost like a black fog, like there's actually an entity there holding them down, which is kind of interesting. Um. We also see just after this part, we see a woman speaking to a doctor holding a baby and she starts to talk about how sleep paralysis affected her mother. Apparently her mother would sleepwalk because of the sleep paralysis and actually attacked someone, potentially killing them. I mean, we don't get actual, we get like a weird flashback of like, it's almost like a found footage scene or security footage scene of like grandma getting out of bed and attacking someone with a, with like a pipe or something. So, you know, it seems like the sleep paralysis affected grandma and now this next generation, she's worried that it's going to be passed down to her daughter and then, uh, you know, we, we get a little bit of a time jump and we're now in present day. 
we meet our characters. Dad's name is Than, Thana, I think they pronounced it in the movie, or Hana, something like that. Uh, the daughter, Lin, and the younger daughter, Yen. It's an older and younger daughter. They're not that much, uh, maybe 10 and 14, maybe somewhere in that range. I mean, they're, they're not that separate. Um, distant in age, I should say. And they move into their new home. Of course, instantly, older sister is, you know, is the angsty teenager who doesn't want to leave their home in the city, doesn't want to have to move into the country, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, within the first day, really, of being there, um, older sister starts seeing weird stuff throughout the house. It's all, like, out of the corner of her eye, nothing that she can really confirm. But she does, at one point, go to her father saying, I think I saw someone running around the house. The dad obviously says, you know, you had a bad dream, blah, blah, blah. Don't worry about it. That that ends up being kind of a theme in the film where dad is constantly kind of, uh, I, I hate to say gaslighting, but it's true. He's kind of gaslighting his daughters, basically saying, you know, oh, you're just, you know, you're tired. You were probably dreaming yourself, hmm. blah, blah, blah. Uh, the first night that the family is in the house, the younger sister has a sleepwalking incident. Uh, apparently, this, the younger daughter um, woke up in the middle of the night, just started walking around, um, and the, the older sister, uh, Lynn, found her walking around, tried to wake her up, um, which is which is weird because I had always heard that you should never wake up something someone who is sleepwalking. She ends up waking. Uh, she ends up get calling her out to her father. Her father gets up. They end up collectively waking up uh, little sister Yen, and uh, she's terrified. She's obviously gasping. You know, breathing heavy. Her eyes are wild. She's sweating. You know, she's obviously been woken up from a nasty nightmare. She doesn't know where she is. Blah blah blah. Um, later in the film, we actually do get confirmation of the whole you're not supposed to wake up a sleepwalker thing from an actual doctor. And that doctor is Dr. Han. She is um, she's basically at first we meet her as a tutor. Uh, she's she's introduced as the tutor for these uh, girls. Then later on, after the first scene where she um, is giving their, the, the, the daughters their first lesson, we see that she also decorated the girls' bedrooms without the daughters knowing, without the girls knowing. So basically she went around, um, you know, fixing up these two bedrooms. You know, she made the one for the younger girl more girly with lots of bright colors. And then this, the one for the older daughter has more like art supplies in it and things like that that, you know, an older girl might be interested in. So, so suddenly this woman went from a tutor to now she's like an interior designer or something, which is kind of weird. But there it is. Uh, as the movie goes along, like I said, we continue to see shadow figures throughout the house. And then finally, on like the second or third night that the family's there, Lynn, the older sister, hears her younger sister like yelling, like she's having a nightmare, walks into her room and, you know, doesn't seem like anything is wrong. But she can see that her sister is like, it almost looks like she's being held down off the bed, like she's trying to get up but can't. So then Lynn walks into the room because she's looking at all this from the doorway finally she walks into the room and then she sees the black mist that we saw in the cold open of the film. And suddenly the black mist turns into a very demonic looking ghost. I mean, the long limbs, sharp teeth, you know, red eyes, just, the, you know, you, you see the thing on the movie poster for this, which 
by the way, the image of this ghost on the movie poster is better than any image of this ghost in the movie, unfortunately. Um, in design, this ghost is pretty cool, but when you actually see it in action, ah, like I said, it's just terrible CGI. So we have our, you know, our first jump scare with the ghost there as it jumps towards the daughter, but then disappears right before it gets to Lynn, the older sister. She tries to tell Dad, I saw someone in uh, Yen's room last night. Dad obviously isn't buying it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> At one point, Mrs. Han comes back to visit the house, but it's not to give the girls their next lesson. It's literally to see Dad. So this is when younger sister starts making comments like, oh, God, is she going to like replace Mom? Is, are, are her and Dad having a relationship or something? Yeah, maybe not in those exact words, but the way a 10-year-old would say it. Um, I think at one point she actually does say, is she going to be our new mom? Something along those lines. Um, the older sister thinks that she's crazy. So to convince her that they're not, uh, that, the, that the dad and Mrs. Han aren't doing anything, they decide to climb up a tree, um, climb up a part of a wall that's next to a tree and then get into the tree so that they can get a better angle of the room upstairs that uh, Mrs. Han and dad are in. And they don't actually see anything too nefarious. All they see is Han and the and the and uh, and Dad kind of arguing, not not really like fighting, like yelling at each other, but they're they they're definitely having a disagreement. At one point, uh, Mrs. Han pulls him, or Miss Han, I should say, not Mrs. Uh, Miss Han pulls him towards her to give him a hug, but she push, but he pushes her away and goes towards the window, looking out the window. And, you know, uh, something, basically something ends up scaring the younger daughter and she falls out of the tree. It sounds like she breaks something when she lands because it almost sounds like there's a snapping sound effect when she lands. But nope, she actually is fine. The problem is, is just as Lynn is about to get out of the tree to help her little sister up, the ground below Yen just gives way and she falls through. And what ends up happening is she found an old well that had been covered up on the family's property. This well had been covered up completely. Earlier in the film, we saw another well that had also been covered up, but this one wasn't covered with like ground and grass to make it look like, you know, nothing was ever there. This one was like an above ground uh, well that, you know, was just covered with like wood and chains and shit like that. Still very nefarious looking. Like it seems like there's something down there that people don't want out. And this is a horror movie, of course. So that's going to be the first thing you see. Unfortunately, like I said, Yen falls into an old uh, mine that was, excuse me, not an old mine, an old well that was, you know, covered up. But apparently, like I said, the ground gave way. She fell through and she falls all the way down. Um, dad, dad and Miss Han end up getting like a crew, like a road crew to come in. And, you know, it, it's the whole baby Jessica scene all over again, you know, uh, you know, uh, cameras and news crews. And there's like construction people there, you know, trying to monitor the well, trying to get them out of there. Um, uh, one of the guys, one of the workers that goes into the well on a winch uh, ends up coming back up and says, I don't know. I can't find her. I don't see anything down there. I, I can't tell that she's there. At the exact moment that he says that, we are transported to Yen's location, which is in the well. But since Yen, as it seems, it, that Yen didn't really hurt herself that bad, she decides to get up and explore a little bit. 
and what she ends up finding is a goddamn mental facility underground below their house. She, she starts walking around. She starts seeing, like, more lab equipment, gurneys, things like that. And then finally she starts seeing people. And, what, and she's seeing people inside of, like, cells, inside of locked rooms. And, yeah, some of them are just screaming at themselves. Some of them, one person is writing on the wall, I, I, I don't want to go to sleep. I never want to go to sleep, just over and over and over again. I, I don't want to go to sleep. And, you know, th- there's one kid there, too, the, like a really young man, eh, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, maybe. And he's like, uh, you know, basically the same thing. He's you know, talking about not wanting to sleep, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, Yen is able to get out of the area. She ends up finding like a ladder that goes back up to the to the ground level through a abandoned house that's kind of adjacent to the property that they live on. So she ends up coming out of there. They end up finding her, and and actually, Miss Han ends up finding her first. And I forgot to mention that while. Yen was in this facility, this mental facility, just kind of walking around. She did see multiple pictures of Miss Han wearing a doctor's robe and like a stethoscope, you know. So basically, she's a doctor. She is the doctor at this mental facility. And guess what they're treating at this mental facility? Hmm. Of course, sleep paralysis. Everyone in this facility is suffering from sleep paralysis in some way or another, uh, the doctor obviously is trying to do research, trying to find ways to, you know, cure this problem for some people, maybe get to the root of it. it you know, she it, it seems like she's not convinced that the shadow people, quote unquote, are real. She, you know, she she seems to be looking at it as more of a mental health issue. Um, but, yeah, once we get this revelation, this is what I was talking about earlier, that I start to lose interest because then it turns out that the the shadow people that Lynn was seeing earlier in the movie were actually patients from this hospital. Apparently a tunnel had formed, somehow a tunnel had formed connecting the facility underground to the house that they live in. And I guess no one had ever knew, no one had ever blocked it off or never found it, whatever the case may be. So yeah, it wasn't shadow people. It was real people for for once. Um, yeah, just kind of walking through it, their house. Yeah, it, go ahead. It's it's interesting. Like it makes sense, but it also doesn't make sense because it's like, okay, like I guess that's feasible. If there was like an opening or a tunnel there, yeah, people could meander through it. But it's like, if you're running a sleep study facility, like that's pretty careless to leave like a. Mm-hmm. A big ass uh, gap in there that big that people can just randomly go back and forth through. A little, a little bit, yeah. It definitely is going to put everyone who's living in that house on edge at the very least. But yeah. <clears throat> so, like I said, um, at this point, uh, let's see. I think our family's reunited, but now at this point in the film, Dad starts acting different. He's not acting like himself. He basically starts, um, he tries to explain, uh, because uh, basically after Yen fell down, she told Lin all this information. And then at the same time, Lin had a dream. She actually had a dream uh, that ter- that actually turned out to be a reality where she sees her mother dead in a bathtub from an apparent self-inflicted wound, you know, slit her wrist. 
And as it turns out, that's the truth. That wasn't a fucking dream. It was a memory. And what she remembers is that Yen found her mother. Uh, Yen was uh, Miss Han and the dad were the first ones to find the mom. But then, you know, in their <clears throat> in, in their emotion, all the emotions that were going on because he just lost his wife, he didn't notice his daughter, his youngest daughter, walk into the room. So she walks into the room and sees her mother dead in the bathtub. Miss Han instantly goes up to her and convinces her that this is a dream. She basically says, this isn't real life. You know, your mother didn't really die in a bathtub. This is all a nightmare. This is a nightmare and you're going to wake up. And after after Miss Han repeating this over and over again, Lin, uh, excuse me, Yen kind of passes out back into sleep. And that's kind of, you know, uh, the flashback that we get. So this is where we find out that, yes, um, her mother did not die from cancer like dad had been telling her. Uh, she actually died from suicide, a self-inflicted slit wrist in the bathtub. Um, and it was because of her sleep paralysis. She couldn't deal with having her sleep paralysis anymore. I don't know. Maybe she was worried that she was going to be like her mother and eventually attack someone that she loved in her sleep paralysis state and just decided to take her own life. Or maybe it was just the stress of even having sleep paralysis. I mean, who knows? But yeah, unfortunately, Lynn and Yen's mom did commit suicide. So now at this point, the relationship between the daughters and the dad is strained. And, uh, you know, dad is trying to convince them that, you know, uh, that he's actually hearing the mom. And this is when dad just starts going crazy. Uh, basically, at one point, Lynn accuses dad of being responsible for mom's suicide. He, she actually says the words, it's your fault, mom is dead. Instantly, he freaks out and he starts choking out his daughter. Literally, he, he puts his hands around this girl's neck and starts fucking squeezing. It takes the younger daughter, Yen, to come over and start beating her dad about the arms and chest, saying, let her go, let her go. That's my sister. Let her go. Uh, finally, dad kind of comes to his senses and realizes what he almost did. He almost killed his own fucking daughter because of an accusation. So he decides to run up to the attic of the house and board himself up there. He literally uh, hammers up boards to cover uh, the, en the only entrance up to that room. I'm not sure what he's doing up there, but finally, Lynn decides to grab an axe to, as, as defense for herself and breaks down the barricade that dad had built, goes up to the attic and finds her father uh, just sitting on a chair. At this point, this is where dad starts saying, you know, your mom's not really dead. I don't I don't think she's dead. I hear her. I hear her talking to me every night. Of course, you know, older sister is trying to be rational, telling her dad, no, mom is dead. She's been dead for a while. You know this. And it just seems like dad has gone off the deep end. He's not accepting it. He continues talking about how I'm going to be with mom soon. It's OK. I'm going to be with mom soon. And then suddenly he gets up and as it turns out, he was sitting on the chair, which had a boulder on it, which was almost like a ballast um, keeping him on the ground. As soon as he get up and he as soon as he got up and he releases the rock, 
Um, it wasn't a rock. I'm sorry. It was a bundle of logs. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was a bundle of logs. Once he get ups and releases the rope, the bundle of logs falls and pulls him straight up to the fucking ceiling. He's ki- he's trying to kill himself. So yeah, he's up there. He's hanging from the rope. But how goddamn lucky is it for him that his intelligent daughter just happens to have a hatchet with her, the one that she used to get through the barricaded door. She's able to cut her father down before he dies, and he gets mad at her. Instantly, he's like, what are you doing? I wanted to be with mom, blah, blah, blah. So he ends up running away, and then Yen is missing. Um, Yen isn't where Lin had left her uh, and she knows that her dad had to take her because she was basically, basically when dad ran out of the basement and w- ran out of the house, he would have gone by where Yen was standing. And when Lin comes down from the attic, Yen is missing. She does end up finding Miss Han or Dr. Han, I guess we can say at this point, and uh, basically lets her know uh, my dad is gone and he took Yen with him and I can't find either one of them. They end up going back in the house, looking around, trying to find, um, you know, where everybody is. Finally, <laughs> we kind of see um, Dad and uh, Yen upstairs in, like, uh, in the same attic where he tried to commit suicide himself. This time what he's doing is, is he's holding on to a passed out Yen in his arms, and he's threatening to jump out the window. He's literally standing right at the edge, like, you know, if he slips the wrong way he's gonna fall off he's gonna reunite the entire, the entire family yeah exactly <laughs> um at this point um he continues to talk about how his wife is there can you hear her can you see her and then again we see the cgi ghost the terrible looking cgi ghost standing behind lynn but lynn doesn't notice her and i think that uh the dad notices that Lynn doesn't notice her. He's looking right at the spirit. Lynn keeps looking back over her shoulder like, what the fuck is he looking at? Mm-hmm. I, I think once he kind of realizes that she doesn't see him, he maybe starts to come into his senses a little bit. Um, but what ends up happening is he, he, he does give his sister, the younger daughter, back to the, to the older daughter, hands her back, but then he doesn't come down from the ledge. He's still kind of up there. And... Then we see the ghost in all the of its glory. CGI circus. Yeah, the CGI fucking flesh circus. We see it in its glory. And my friends, this fucking thing looks a lot like the monster from the end of Evil Dead Rise. It's got more arms than anything else. It only has one head, unlike the thing at the end of Evil Dead Rise. But it's got one head, one set of legs, and then like six or seven set of arms. Just a bunch of arms just coming out of its torso. Finally, Dad basically makes a comment like, yeah, you're right, she's gone. Like basically coming to terms with the fact that his wife is gone. And the spirit lunges at him as soon as he says it. He ends up slipping off the edge and he falls down perceivably to his death. Because once again, when he this movie likes fucking with your expectations. Because once again, when he lands on the ground... He makes a thud like there's no fucking way he survived this. Like that dude's cra- that dude's skull is cracked in like four pieces right now. You know, yeah, I, thought Just he, be- I thought he was done for. I thought it was kind of like a sacrifice almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something along those lines. Yeah. So 
Then the movie fades to black, and we go to this beautiful, brightly lit, colorful, idyllic family scene where dad is cooking breakfast for both of his daughters. They're in a new house. They're not in the old ancestral house. They're in a new place. <clears throat> and dad is just, you know, happily frying up some spam for his daughters for their spam and egg breakfast. And they're literally acting like nothing ever happened. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, are they all dead and this is heaven? Like, did I like, is this dad's imagination? Like, is dad actually in a mental facility now? Blah, blah, blah. Like, the ideas were just going, they were firing a, a mile a minute in my head. Like, what could this fucking mean? And then, like we mentioned earlier, then we see dad is on crutches. He's got one crutch under one of his arms, and, you know, it looks like his leg is maybe broken or something like that. So that kind of implies that, oh, maybe he survived that fall, and this is just the – and now that he's out of that house and out of, uh, you know, out of the vicinity of that facility – now, you know, maybe his mind is clear. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, your interpretation is as good as mine. <laughs> uh, and yeah, then, I, I, oh, I was, ahead. like, thinking, like, okay, maybe maybe we'll get, like, a scene right after this where he wakes up in, like, a hospital bed or something. And he, he was, like, dreaming the happy ending. Uh, like, maybe being knocked unconscious on that fall. Like, had him in a coma or something. And he was dreaming this all up because when we get to the credits and then we get that scene like it starts to fade to where oh we're gonna get a scene i was like oh here we go here's gonna be like what actually happened but then we get this totally unrelated thing and i'm like oh okay <laughs> so it left me yeah trying to figure out the final scene of the actual movie to figure out for clues whether that was supposed to be taken as literal or not Exactly. No, absolutely. Definitely. It's probably just up to the viewer interpretation. You know, whatever, whatever explanation works for you, go with it. Anyway, as the movie fades to black and the credits start rolling, instantly I th I'm thinking, well, what the hell happened to Dr. Han? Because throughout the struggle of the final confrontation, at one point the dad kind of pushes Ms. Uh, Dr. Han down and it looks like she's passed out. No way she died from just getting pushed. Um, and then, like I said, the movie ends and I'm like, well, wait a minute, what the fuck happened to Dr. Han? So halfway, well, not even halfway, like maybe like Mike said earlier, like 10 to 15 seconds into the closing credits, we get another scene. And this time it's Dr. Han, <clears throat> but this time she's chained to a gurney. She's on a gurney. She's looking around. She doesn't know what's going on. And then suddenly you see all her patients, all the patients that we've seen throughout the film in the facility all surround her and they're all talking to her. They're all basically saying the same shit they were saying all through the movie. I don't want to sleep. I don't want to sleep. And then one of them says something cryptic, like now you're now, you know, you're going to meet the shadow people or something along those lines. And then the movie actually ends. So that's our film folks. But like I said, this, this uh, mid credit scene, it's like, so are they implying that Dr. Han wasn't a doctor and that she was a patient the whole time? Are they implying that the uh, the, the crazies have taken over the facility and that they're uh, getting revenge on her for maybe the treatments that she's done? Is it all in her head? Is this just completely unreliable narrator? Once again, it's up to your interpretation, folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think one thing I was trying to navigate during the movie is like, is, is there anything nefarious going on because the remember the dad brought 
them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brought them under his own like volition. Like he wasn't like tricked into it. So I'm wondering, like, are all the other patients there? Were they brought by family, or are we supposed to take this as like a nefarious? lab going on underground that no one knows about or is this like a sanctioned hospital because my other thing was like you know if they come you would think that there would be like uh resources in the city for thing like any of us would go to now i know different countries it's going to work different how how readily available services for certain things are maybe you're more prone to have to turn to like alternate measures when it comes to certain um issues so there's maybe a little of that going on that doesn't translate a hundred percent to like American audiences, but I, I, I was trying because they they definitely they didn't go overboard with it, but there were a couple scenes where they tried to like maybe trick the viewer into thinking that the that Tan was like you know trying to get into the family as like new mom like seducing the dad or whatever but that really turned out not to be true they just kind of did that there was like a scene where she was consoling him like in the Mm -hmm. attic or whatever and the daughters were like eavesdropping and they never they never can really build past that so it seemed like they were just throwing that in a single scene maybe just to uh give you an understanding of the girl's apprehension towards her um now in other movies some a lot of times it turns out that they that the kids are right she's trying to move in and may for an, for a bad reason but in this one no she really was seemingly just trying to help yeah and yeah, I, I did forget to mention that eventually dad does admit that they were that he brought the family there on purpose because of the facility. Um, he, you know, basically he lets them know that's the facility where your mom went when she had her sleep paralysis issues. And I thought that they might be able to help you. So that's why we came here. So, yeah, dad did have ulterior motives, even if they were for the you know, the better, the greater good, you know, he was trying to help out his daughters and make sure that they don't fall to the same, you know, sleep paralysis demons that, you know, his wife and his wife's mother uh, both fell victim to. But obviously it's almost like the facility was exasperating those fears, you know, just the fact that they were that close to a place that dealt with sleep paralysis, because if sleep paralysis is actually a thing and there's a supernatural explanation, well, obviously sleep paralysis is a thing. But what I'm saying is, is that if, if there were a supernatural explanation for sleep paralysis, then don't you think a sleep paralysis clinic would just be filled with fucking sleep paralysis demons? It yeah. Would, it, it would basically be a fucking summer vacation spot for sleep paralysis demons because every single person there suffers from sleep paralysis. So, yeah, it's it's an inter- interesting thing, thing to think about, but it definitely does seem like this movie is leaning more towards this whole thing was a mental health issue. And, definitely, you know, it definitely seems like that facility is understaffed, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we never see another fucking doctor or anything. Yeah, I mean, she's wa- the daughter's walking through the facility, and I keep waiting because obviously yep. she's having run-ins with patients. But I'm like, uh, where are all the observers and doctors and everything and administration staff? No one's around. Yeah, exactly. I forgot to mention that um, throughout the film, the younger daughter apparently is a fan of zombie TV shows and video games. It's mentioned multiple times that she watches too much zombie TV and plays too many zombie video games. And multiple times throughout the film, they talk about, um, you know, you're going to have nightmares. You're going to have nightmares. And then finally, 
Um, when the younger daughter falls into the well that leads to the facility, she's eventually attacked by a guy that's acting just like a goddamn zombie. <laughs> like, you know, there's a dead look on his face. He's he's relentlessly chasing her. Um, he's not saying anything. It's kind of interesting. Like, I thought the movie was turning into a zombie movie for like 30 seconds. But no, he, he was just another patient, another sleep paralysis sufferer. <laughs> Yep. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Not really. I mean, we covered the, I, I don't want to say mid-credit, but early credit scene. Yeah, mid-credits. Yeah, early, good enough for me. I mean, if the credits <laughs> start, it's mid, either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah. In, in, in summary, still pretty good movie, very watchable. Um, I, yeah, I, I do think it does. I, I was glad that it did a little something beyond the tropes, and I, I didn't want to get into the details on the general thoughts, but the, like kind of the second act reveal I was talking about was the facility, because I think a, a lot of what you would get in other movies was the whole reveal about it being a facility. That would be kind of like the climax of the movie in the third act. Like that's how it would end with like a huge, huge shocking reveal. And, the, and then the movie ends, but this one, we kind of get that in the second act or like going into the third act, I would say we get it to where that's, that doesn't necessarily make or break the movie because we have a good half hour, 40 minutes after that so i did appreciate that that we still had more movie left and uh it ended up being you know pretty good actually it's exactly halfway through the movie i just checked it uh she falls through the hole at the 56 minute mark and this movie is an hour well not uh wait is it 52 minute mark she falls through the hole at the 52 minute mark and this movie is an hour and 41 minutes so yeah kind of interesting um, so, yeah, it is solidly in the second act. And and I agree. It's It was kind of a weird choice to go with that, because like I said, once we get that reveal, I, I, I don't want to say I tuned out, but I definitely lost interest. Like once you take away the supernatural element from a haunted house movie, I I totally start to check out. And that's, you know, it's still a good movie. It's still watchable beyond that point. Absolutely. It's just, it's my personal, you know, the way that I watch movies, basically. If you're, if you're going to give me a supernatural setup and then suddenly give me a natural explanation, I tend to be a little bit disappointed, that's all. Um, but, you know, I still say that this movie is above average overall and, you know, should probably be watched if you're a fan of the subgenre. Absolutely. Yeah, if you need to check a country off the list. all right uh is that gonna wrap up our uh, discussion on the movie or you have any final words don i'm trying to think back i mean i i don't have much of anything that hasn't already been covered so all right then um that'll wrap up our discussion on ancestral in this episode of fresh cuts but let's find out what else we have out there for people to listen to venom take it away all right, so just this past weekend, we recorded No More Room in Hell Presents Creature Comforts, Episode 17. On this episode, we once again had a guest, this time a returning guest, David Garrett Jr., joins us as we discussed uh, 2016's The Monster. 
Um, and, you know, an obvious movie for a creature feature podcast. I mean, uh, it, definitely something that would have eventually landed on our laps. But as we generally give the hosts the option of picking the movie, this is what he went with. And it ended up being a pretty good show. Most of us in really, really enjoyed the movie. All of us enjoyed it to a certain degree. Uh, one or two of us like really, really like the movie. Spoiler alert. I love that fucking movie. But if you want to hear our more detailed thoughts, Please go ahead and check out the episode that's Creature Comforts number 17. Not quite available yet. Uh, probably by the end of this week, it will be up on the on the site, and you'll be able to pick it up with your podcast catchers. Let's see. The main show, No More Room in Hell, episode, what is that, 52, is the Shaw Brothers episode mm-hmm. that we did. And our friend from Fresh Cuts, Don and Nelly, joined us for that one. So we had the entire No More Room in Hell family for one show. And we looked at a couple of Shaw Brothers efforts from the early 80s. That was a fun episode. Check that out when it gets out. Um, Nothing new on uh, the uh, Crystal Lake gift shop horizon, but I think... um, I think we'll Mike and I will get together and do something really soon just because it's been a little long and I do want to keep that train rolling before we forget about it. So guest or not, Mike and I will have another episode out definitely before the end of May. That's a guarantee. And let's see, um, guest appearances include uh, Kill the Cast on the return episode of Kill the Cast. We had a roundtable of the dead where uh, Jerry, Jay, myself, and Mr. Parka had a uh, roundtable discussion about zombie films, basically the best zombie films, the most influential, the most critically acclaimed, stuff like that. So check that out. You'll also get to hear our individual top five favorite zombie movies of all time. So that was pretty fun. And that's, that's it for me. That's been recorded. I've got some guest spots lined up for the next month, but... Nothing has been set in stone yet, so I'll hold on to those, and that's all. That's all for me. All right, Don, how about you? All right, as mentioned, uh, the Creature Comforts family, the uh, No Room in Hell family, is uh, pretty much covered by yours truly. Uh, Creature Comforts is uh, recorded, should be available soon, and uh, my guest spot on the main show should probably be out. And it looks like my joke on Mike's editing skills is proving uh, more truer than I thought. So, um, yeah, that one should should be out uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, The usual suspects that I've been promoting for the last couple of weeks, um, I have guest spots recorded for the Stew World Order podcast with uh, Red 2 and Road to Nowhere with a triple bill of Lucio Fulci films. Both of those are still not available yet, but uh, I'll keep you updated. Um, I signed on to do a uh, podcast with a friend of mine on uh, the DVD Infatuation podcast. Um, uh, there's basically, when I signed on, there was like no real theme. Uh, basically, he just wanted me to do uh, six films that I had never seen before. So I decided to have some fun, and basically I'm going to choose six movies that represent a specific style or interest that I have. So I'm going to basically take a film that I haven't seen in uh, various different genres and sub you know subgenres and stuff like that, and basically use it as kind of a uh, you know way to get to know me and my tastes, as well as a chance to knock off six films I haven't seen, which I'm always down for. And then lastly is uh, 
Well, I, I, that hasn't been uh, recorded yet, so I don't know anything about that. So that'll probably be another one that I'll add to the list for uh, a couple weeks to come. And uh, the last one is uh, the latest episode of Horror Countdown, where I had some uh, old friends on. Um, I've recorded with both of them before. And uh, we basically did our top 15 films of the last 22 years. So 2000 through 2022. So... Uh, that one is the only one that I mentioned that's uh, available at the moment, uh, as usual on all of my usual on uh, no, horror countdown feed. Everything else is recorded or recorded and unreleased or uh, still to come. So uh, that's pretty much where I am. Okay, uh, as far as I go, yeah, just the main show. No more room. Number fifty-two should be up tomorrow on the network. So if you're listening to this episode, then that's also available on Dark Discussions Network or YouTube, whichever your preferred method is, as well as, you know, most of the podcast catching apps and all that stuff. And then that's it for me. But like Venom said, probably Crystal Lake Gift Shop coming this month. It's kind of funny because that show is like the sidecast that's fallen to the wayside, but it is, it is probably one of the easiest to do just because yep. watching a single episode of the show is not, not uh, terribly difficult for prep. Yep. So, and, uh, and then we, making fun of that episode is definitely not difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we shouldn't, you know, as long as we have like the same time available to record, it shouldn't be tough to uh, get another couple episodes out soon. And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for me. Um, as far as horror, or excuse me, sorry, far, as far as the next episode goes, which should feature a horror movie, but um, I, <laughs> I, I still don't think there's anything theatrical, at least not wide. So no. yeah, should be keeping it to VOD again. I don't think there's anything for the rest of the month. Nothing until uh, June second. Yeah, uh, I think we said last time that the next one would be the Boogeyman. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. June second. Yep. Yeah. Now I well, do think what is when is the twelfth? Because the seventh is today. Yeah, next Friday. This coming Friday. This coming Friday. So I think that might be when uh, Husera, the Bone Woman, drops on Shutter. Nice. Um, so if that happens this Friday, then we can do that for our next episode. Yeah, which um, finally, which will Spanish heritage, but uh, they speak Spanish, so I think that should uh, pretty much count as close enough. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, yeah, sounds like we potentially have our next uh, episode. If if yeah, I'm there's, wrong, there, there's I think there's a couple of other. I was gonna say I think there's another couple of others that I've heard of VOD releases that should be available. If if we get the date wrong, there's a couple of others that I think are coming out either last Friday or this Friday that we can probably use. Um, I was going to say, um, the ones that I mentioned on Noma Room in Hell, those third Saturday in October films, they're available. So if if we get the date wrong, we can, you know, pick those because I think those would be kind of fun. But uh, either or, I I would venture for Husera as priority. And if we get the date wrong, then I I think there's a couple of others we can fall back to. Cool. All right, sounds good. So with that said, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Fresh Cuts. We will catch you next time. Let's say bye to our listeners. Later.
I feel like I've said this before, but stop leaving the city to go to the country. Ain't nothing in the country for you. Stay in the goddamn city. We moved out of there for a reason, folks. <laughs> Peace.